What's going on, Vinyl Community? You are listening to The Record Spinner here on Vinyl Community Podcasts, and welcome to another episode of a series that I am hosting exclusively here on the podcast called Current Rotations, where I talk about and discuss all of the records that I have been spinning as of lately on my turntable. And in today's episode, I'm going to be focusing on Christmas vinyl. Not necessarily Christmas-themed vinyl, but records that I got for Christmas because, let's face it, with the exception of birthdays, uh, there is no other better time of the year to get records free of disposal than Christmas. And let's just say Santa Claus was pressing up some fine, fine records up at the North Pole pressing plant, and I got some fantastic stuff. A lot of unofficial pressings, as well as a mega sweet audiophile pressing. I think I'm going to tackle that one first, and there's quite a bit to get through. So enough of the chit chat. Let's jump into what this episode is all about. So Atlantic Records has been celebrating their 75th anniversary, and they have done um, a couple of things in the vinyl realm to commemorate the anniversary. Uh, Most affordably, uh, they have been doing a line of crystal clear vinyl pressings uh, that are available at uh, mom and pop record stores. And those are really solid. I have a couple of those. Uh, They typically run about 20 to 30 bucks, and they sound generally pretty decent. Uh, But... If you want the big kahuna, then you can head on over to AcousticSounds.com and check out what Analog Productions has been doing for their celebration of of Atlantic Records' 75th anniversary. And they've been doing this thing called the Atlantic 75 Audiophile Series, where basically Chad Kasem, who runs Analog Productions as well as Acoustic Sounds and Quality Record Pressings, uh, he handpicked 75 titles uh, from Atlantic's roster and has chosen them to be reissued on the analog productions label in 2LP 45 RPM pressings as well as super audio CDs using original master tapes or the next best source. And let me tell you, already out of what I have from that series, um, I have Genesis uh, Selling England by the Pound, Phil Collins uh, Face Value, and Farner's self-titled debut. They sound absolutely tremendous and need I say it, the best sounding pressings that you'll ever hear of those respective albums, as well as basically any album that's coming out as part of this series. Now, for some albums that are being given this very deluxe treatment, uh, they are kind of going to another level with some albums in particular. And the one that I got for Christmas this year was Genesis The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. What started out initially as a 2LP, 33 and a third album, has now turned into a 4LP, 45 RPM monolith. So what can I say about The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway? It's... I think it's it's the second best album to come from Genesis, and it's quite a hefty album to take in because it is a concept album about this Puerto Rican named Rail who goes through the underground streets of New York to find his brother. It's very much a Pilgrim's Progress type of concept, and it's absolutely adventurous uh, narrative-wise by Peter Gabriel, but musically it has some of the band's finest 
uh, playing. And uh, it's an album that's highly revered in the Genesis catalog as well as in Atlantic's catalog. And it was cool to see this album get this mega treatment. And it's almost like a book style um, type of packaging as well because you have the main album artwork and then it opens up to where you have the gatefold which has the storyline that you can kind of follow throughout the route of the album and then each record originally came housed in uh, printed inner sleeves with lyrics and such well that has been uh, reformatted into uh, two additional gatefold jackets so the overall package almost opens up like a book and you kind of flip through and you see the gatefold and the printed inner um, panels Um, and of course all of the records are housed in nice um, rice paper type um, inner sleeves all pressed at quality record pressings Um, these uh, this particular pressing uh, was mastered by Chris Bellman over at Bernie Grumman Mastering and they used the original master tape for this uh, release now and it's great too because uh, for the past several years uh, the buying public has been used to the 2007-2008 Nick Davis remix uh, pressed on vinyl. Uh, that was originally done for the uh, the Genesis Eras box sets that came out around the late 2000s. Um, the reputation that those remixes have on CD is not quite favorable. On vinyl, they're definitely much superior. They kind of breathe a little bit more. Uh, but for purists out there the original mix has essentially been out of print on vinyl and prior to getting this 4LP release i did i did have the um the 2001 classic records pressing which is on two lps 33 and a third using the original master tape and that actually fetches quite a bit of value so i was very happy to kind of part ways with that and get my hands on this new 4lp version i've yet to spin it on the turntable but i'm sure it's going to sound absolutely wonderful and um Let's just say I better get ready to uh, get up from my seat and go to the turntable and flip this album often and swap out records and such because 4LP's 45 RPM, that is quite the monolith. Now moving on to the unofficial stuff, and of course... If you know me and you've watched some of the KISS roundtables here on Vinyl Community Podcasts, you know that I am a massive KISS fan. They are my favorite band of all time, and I will certainly just eat up whatever I can of KISS that is on vinyl. And I did manage to get my hands on a pretty cool bootleg that I'm going to share with you guys exclusively here because typically I save all my KISS bootlegs uh, from when I do like my KISS-themed bootleg haul videos on my YouTube channel, but this is the first that you're hearing about this one. And it's It's a release called Austin Loves It Loud. So this was recorded live in Austin, Texas on September 29th, 2021 during the band's recent End of the Road tour. And I just figured this would be an interesting release to have because um, the End of the Road tour is the one Kiss tour that I have seen the most shows at. Um, I saw it when it first came to Philly in 2019, and I actually did see the Atlantic City show in August of 2021, and that was the closest that I ever was for kiss show i was in the third row it was a fantastic time so i figured to have a release that is basically from the same leg of the tour that i saw is pretty special and then of course i did go uh, see them in uh, palm springs hollywood bowl as well as the final show at the garden um just this past year in 2023 now with this release it's basically uh, i would say about the first third of the show i want to say it covers the beginning from uh, detroit rock city 
all the way up until say yeah uh from sonic boom but in between though like you have um heavens on fire love it loud lick it up uh deuce war machine calling dr love and a uh shout it out loud so i to me at least just you know by getting this bit of an excerpt of the show it does cover a good bit of ground in terms of their repertoire over the years so i just figured you know what i might as well include it and it's a decent audience recording it's a little bass heavy in some moments and you hear some audience chatter but you know if you've seen the show from the recent tour then you know it's a nice little souvenir to have uh the artwork is pretty solid too just great you know photos of the band from this last tour and the pressing that i got uh comes pressed on like marbled blue vinyl it looks really really cool uh but now i'm curious is there going to be an austin loves it loud part two that has the rest of the show time will find out now i'm gonna keep things in the kiss vein for this next record that i'm going to talk about and it does pertain to an official release but it is also an unofficial pressing so in 2014 uh the kiss catalog got a massive reissue campaign both individually and as part of a box set called kisteria where there also was some exclusive vinyl that was only featured in the set along with merchandise and other things now for the most part over the span of oh my gosh i just realized it's been 10 years since that campaign went down oh my gosh anyways um for the most part the 70s albums have never gone out of print they've always been available because let's face it those are the records that most people want now there is a pocket of some of those albums from the 80s going into the 90s where let's just say you know they might only press up so many and then it the market kind of dries up and the values go up and then they do a repressing and then that disappears and so on so forth i've seen it firsthand with a lot of the albums that sort of came out from the 80s and 90s um some of which are even out of print according to people that kind of work for distributors and know the ins and outs of universal but Essentially, when it comes down to a situation like that, it allows for a market to boom for unofficial pressings to come out of the woodwork because people want newer vinyl pressings of those albums and they don't want to spend the farm on a reissue that's out of print and hard to come by. So Crazy Nights from 1987 is indeed one of those albums and that is the official Kiss record that I have an unofficial pressing of. I say this and yet I already have the 2014 reissue already in my collection but that's a whole other thing now what do i think of crazy nights as an album definitely on the bottom part of my kiss ranking it's them trying to be bon jovi essentially they were kind of jumping on that sort of poppy glam rock kind of thing that essentially a lot of other people were doing at the time and that's what kiss was doing they were following trends of whatever mtv was pushing at that given time frame as a whole it does not signify what kiss is all about but i will say some of the songs are brilliantly arranged and some of paul stanley's vocals on that album are some of his absolute finest now this unofficial pressing that i have is pretty interesting and just from a physical standpoint the album cover features the german kiss logo which for me that is almost an impulse thing for me to snag just because um for any of you kiss vinyl nerds out there uh they modified the logo in germany just because the lightning bolt style s's in their logo are a little 
to some eyes reminiscent of um, the SS from you know the Holocaust and Nazi Germany. So their albums would be banned if they did not modify the logo. This wasn't until like late 70s, early 80s, because when uh, Kiss toured Germany in 1980, they actually had a modified logo just for the country that would light up and such behind the stage. So basically, um, Germany got their own kind of special unique cover variants by using a modified logo. And depending on the collector, that mean that makes it fair game. And I'm one of those people. And just the fact that it kind of kills two birds with one stone with the German logo being featured and having it be unofficial does make it really interesting. Now, the glossy printed inner sleeve that comes uh, with the jacket is a little interesting. It's basically like a blown up version of the album cover with like the shattered glass like around it. It's definitely interesting. It's not doesn't feature the lyrics or the band photo that came with the original. Uh, the vinyl itself, I will say, is nice and heavyweight. Nice red vinyl, custom labels. It looks pretty solid. Now, the artwork overall on the outside of the jacket, you know, it's a little pixelated in some areas. But then again, that is the nature of a lot of these unofficial pressings of official albums. It's not just Kiss. There's plenty more out there, particularly albums that fetch up high values and people just don't want to spend the farm. So... It's an interesting little bit of Kiss vinyl minutia that I've kind of submerged myself in. Some might not like it, but it kind of goes to show that there's a market for everything. Next up is an album that I actually already have in my collection, but this version in particular is significantly different for a number of reasons, and that is Rush's Vapor Trails. Now, Vapor Trails came out back in 2002. It was the first album the band had done since 1996's Test for Echo, and obviously a bit of a gap in between releases, uh, unfortunately with a very sad backstory because uh, drummer Neil Peart had lost both his daughter and his wife uh, within the span of about two years and basically just kind of went through his own grieving process and the band was essentially put on hold. Alex and Getty did some solo albums and then they reconvened and they put out this album and it was a triumphant reunion both on record as well as the resulting tour and a prime document of that tour is of course the Rush in Rio live album in DVD. But anyways, Vapor Trails as an album um, has always been plagued uh, within the sort of thing with uh, certain albums that's called The Loud war uh, with bad cases of clipping and brick wall dynamics and such. Uh, not exactly the most greatest um I guess you could say engineered or produced album by any means. And so that original mix from 2002 kind of suffers because of that. Um, now, back in 2008, 2009, uh, there was a compilation called Retrospective 3, which included a couple of remix tracks from uh, Vapor Trails, which did improve some of the sonic imperfections that the original mix had. So in 2012, 2013, uh, there was a Vapor Trails remix of the full album that was done. And that is the version that is most commonly available when it does appear on the market. Now, as for the original mix, the album did get a vinyl pressing back in 2002, which from using that original mix as well as the artwork. And obviously the remix has some modified artwork. So this unofficial pressing does restore the original artwork as it 
um, came out back in 2002 and uses the original mix. It's pressed on uh, two LPs, a heavyweight orange vinyl. And I just figured because I love me some Rush and just given the very significant differences between the mixes themselves as well as the artwork, it was definitely worth getting uh, this unofficial version. I'm, I came close to getting it back when I was out in California with my buddies, the Stone Kings. Uh, we went to a record store in the area and I almost picked it up just because I knew that it, it had been out. But I figured, you know what? It's a job for Santa Claus to do so for this year. Last but not least, we have something a bit more recent and also something that is incredibly nostalgic for me since it is thanks to my best friend Donovan for getting me into this band. And often when I listen to this band, it just makes me think of a much simpler time. And that is Linkin Park's One More Light Live. Now, this live album came out after Chester Bennington had unfortunately passed away. And honestly, if he hadn't had passed i doubt that this live album would exist just because one more light as an album was very polarizing when it first came out uh but i think since chester had passed uh some of the lyrical content of the record can be dissected and analyzed in a light that makes this record a bit i guess you could say resonate a little bit more uh but hey it's a lasting document of um, the band's last tour with Chester and as Linkin Park as we know it, because at this point now, it's been almost mm, seven, eight years since that all happened. So I don't know if they're ever going to get back together and continue as Linkin Park. So this might be it for them. I say that as of right now. Now, this live album did get a vinyl pressing for Record Store Day several years ago, um, and quantities are quite limited, I should say. This was back in, what year was this? This was 2018, and I took a look on Discogs when I wanted to catalog the unofficial pressing that I got, and sure enough, the Record Store Day pressing, which comes pressed on gold and black vinyl, right now is selling for $200, which is insane and when i saw that there was an unofficial out i was so excited and that's the thing i mean a lot of collectors they hate the fact that there's unofficials out there of collectible official pressings but the thing is as long as you know there's some transparency there it's not going to affect the value it just gives us you know common folks uh, a more a, um, affordable option essentially uh, but as for the release itself it's a solid set list. There's a lot of tracks from that One More Light album, uh, such as uh, the tracks Talking to Myself, Battle Symphony, Nobody Can Save Me. Um, and then, of course, you have things like, um, you know, Crawling, What I've Done, In the End, Numb, um, Bleed It Out as well. So it's a, it covers a good bit of ground um, in terms of their entire career between all the rap, new metal stuff, and some of the more electronic, poppy stuff that they kind of embraced uh, within... Was it, could I say, recent years? Because they've had quite an expansive career. Um, they've just kind of embraced some some genres more in certain eras. Um, but this two uh, this two LP unofficial pressing is pretty sweet. Comes pressed on pink vinyl with some nice custom labels, and it's a nice you know lasting document to have of Chester Bennington's uh, last tour with Linkin Park. So there you guys go. That wraps up another episode of Current Rotations, a series that I, the Record Spinner, am hosting exclusively here on Vinyl Community Podcasts. See you guys in the next episode, and most importantly, keep the records spinning. (laughs) 